Amen. Let's pray. Father, we just want to come this morning and just acknowledge that you're a God in whom we can trust. Even in life when things are difficult and the going gets tough, you're faithful and true. You're our firm foundation. You're a rock on which we can stand. You're the one we look to, and we thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you this morning that we can sing your praises, and, and from our lips can come truths about how great you are. And uh, we just want to invite you in these next few minutes to come and speak to our hearts. We know that uh, your Spirit has the power to, to change us and to make us more like Jesus, to, to bring salvation to those who are lost. And, and we just want to invite you to do that this morning. We thank you for your Word. Thank you for your Spirit. And uh, we pray that you will be glorified in this time and accomplish all your purposes. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We're in Nehemiah chapter 4 this morning, and uh, we're going through a series called uh, 2020 Vision, and uh, we've been following uh, Nehemiah. Uh, Nehemiah tells us a story about God calling a man named Nehemiah, and God's calling for Nehemiah was to go back to Jerusalem and rebuild the walls around the city. They had been torn down by the Babylonians in 586 when King Nebuchadnezzar came and tore down the walls, and they'd been lying in ruins for years. The Jews had gone back, and they'd been there 90 years, and they'd not been able to get the walls rebuilt. And so God calls Nehemiah. He prays. He gets permission to go back. He, he goes back to Jerusalem. He surveys the wall. He organizes the people. They begin to work. They begin rebuilding the walls. Last week, we came to chapter 4, and we saw the opposition that came. And uh, they began to ridicule the Jews and, and threaten them. And, uh, and so we talked about uh, this discouragement that comes. This morning we're going to talk about when, when the going gets tough. What do we do when the going gets tough? And so Nehemiah chapter 4, if you'll stand with me, uh, we'll honor God's Word. And uh, we'll start in verse 10, and uh, we'll finish up this chapter. So good to see you this morning. Man, I'm just loving Nehemiah. It's so practical and helpful. And uh, verse 10 says... Uh, in Judah, it was said, the strength of those who bear the burdens is failing. There is too much rubble. By ourselves, we will not be able to rebuild the wall. And our enemy said, they will not know or see till we come among them and kill them and stop the work. At that time, the Jews who lived near them came from all directions and said to us ten times, you must return to us. So in the lowest parts of the space behind the wall, in open places, I stationed the people by their clans with their swords, their spears, and their bows. And I looked and arose and said to the nobles and to the officials and to the rest of the people, Do not be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome, and fight for your brothers, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your homes. When our enemies heard that it was known to us and that God had frustrated their plan, we all returned to the wall, each to his work. From that day on, half of my servants worked on construction and half held the spears, shields, bows, and coats of mail. And the leaders stood behind the whole house of Judah who were building on the wall. Those who carried burdens were loaded in such a way that each labored on the work with one hand and held his weapon with the other. And each of the builder, builders had his sword strapped at his side while he built. The, men, the man who sounded the trumpet was beside me. And I said to the nobles and to the officials and to the rest of the people, The work is great and widely spread. We are separated on the wall, far from one another. In the place where you hear the sound of the trumpet, rally to us there. Our God will fight for us. So we labored at the work, and half of them held the spears from the break of dawn till the stars came out. I also said to the people at that time, Let every man and his servant pass the night within Jerusalem, 
that they may be a guard for us by night and may labor by day. So neither I nor my brothers nor my servants nor the men of the guard who follow me, none of us took off our clothes. Each kept his weapon at his right hand. And you may be seated and we've asked God to bless his word this morning. With all the opposition that the, the Jews and, and Nehemiah was facing, the first thing that we see was this need for resolve. This need for resolve. I, I was thinking about basketball season. We, we're right there in the middle of it. And, uh, you know, some teams come out and just have the best half of their lives. You, they, uh, they hit everything. They get all the loose balls. Everything is going perfect. And then they go into halftime. And they come back out, and it's like the wheels fall off. You, we see that sometimes, and we think, what happened? This is a whole different team. Well, that could have happened uh, to, the, to the Jews and, and Nehemiah uh, because of all the threats that they were receiving from their neighbors. But thankfully, uh, Nehemiah was able to make some adjustments and provide some leadership to help the people stay resolved to the task. And I want to suggest this morning that there is a great need for resolve in the church today, and there is a need for resolve in our individual Christian lives. There are some particular times uh, when we especially need resolve. One of those times is when we're tired. And so uh, we're in chapter 4, and we, last week we're in verse 6. It says, The wall was joined together to half its height, for the people had a mind to, to work. And so they're, they're halfway done. And I don't know about you, but I've found that sometimes in projects and tasks, the second half is the hardest. You get off to a good start, you're excited, you've got lots of energy, and you're ready to go. And then you get in the middle of it, and you start to get tired, and you start to get bored, and it's easy to let down. And I, I was just thinking about all the projects that, that you and I start sometimes, and, and uh, we start them with lots of enthusiasm, and, and sometimes we get to the halfway point, and we just, we just give up on it. And I, I think Satan loves it when we uh, just don't complete the task that, that God has put on our hearts and so uh, the workers are tired. Notice in verse 10 it says, The strength of those who bear the burdens is failing. They're tired. There's too much rubble. And I think maybe when they first started, they, they found some stones and they were able to start rebuilding. And, and now there's stones that's lying in rubble and buried. And, and a lot of the hard work is, is still to come. And, and it, they say we're not able to rebuild the wall. That's true. By themselves, they weren't able to rebuild the walls. And, uh, and so it's during the times when we are most tired that we need the resolve to accomplish the task or to win the game or to, uh, to stay disciplined in our Christian lives. I, I believe Satan puts a, a target on us when we're tired. And uh, I, mean, I, I know that I'm most susceptible to sin when I'm, when I'm tired. And so we need that resolve. And I, I was thinking about an illustration, and the, the one that came to mind was back in 2011, when the, the U.S. Navy SEALs took out Osama bin Laden. You know, he chased him for nine and a half years, and, and yet they had the resolve to, uh, to track him down. And uh, this year as a church, we, we're praying for our one, and we're asking the Lord to, uh, to save someone that we know and love, and we want to see them saved. And, and yet some of the people maybe that, that you've identified as your one, maybe you've already given up on them. Maybe your wife, and you've prayed for years for your husband, or maybe you've prayed for a wayward child or a grandchild, and you just say, I, I, listen, I've, I prayed for them, but listen, don't give up on them. 
Don't, don't give up on anybody. Listen, uh, I was reminded about William Carey. He, William Carey was a missionary, and he's kind of considered the father of the modern missionary movement. And the reason is because he gave 40 years of his life to, to, to be a missionary in India. Uh, but if you read about him, uh, he took uh, his wife Dorothy. They went to India in 1793, and they labored, and they didn't have the first convert for seven years. Now, so you imagine uh, doing gospel work and not seeing any fruit for seven years. During that time, he lost his son. He would later lose his wife. Uh, the times were tough, and yet he just continued to preach and teach the gospel. And, and by the time uh, of 1821, uh, Carrie and his partners had baptized over 1,400 converts there in India. And so Galatians 6, 9 says, uh, let us not grow weary in doing good. Church, that's a good verse. Let us not grow weary in well-doing, for in due season we're going to reap. We're going to reap if we continue to sow. And so you keep praying and asking God to, to save your one. And maybe you have been praying and maybe you haven't had any opportunities uh, to, to have any gospel conversations. Listen, just don't quit. It's, it's too important. Listen, there, there is a real destiny for every man. It's heaven or hell. And those places are real. And your friend or family member, they're, they're going to one of those two places. And so have some resolve to, to pray and seek opportunities. And I was thinking this week about something I, I said last week. Uh, verse 6 says that the people had a mind to work. And I, I just said that, that uh, sometimes uh, many in the church are lazy. And, and while that's true, I, I, also something that's true is many people are tired in the church. And some are tired because they've overcommitted themselves. Uh, which is never good, but, but there are also many who are tired because they feel like they have to earn God's favor. And I, I just want to make sure that I, I communicate this. Listen, if you're saved, you, you've received God's grace as a gift, and you can never earn that. Uh, you can work your socks off. You'll never earn the favor of God. You're living under the favor of God through Christ. He gives you a, a gift of, of faith, of salvation, and, and so you can't earn that. Matter of fact, Matthew eleven twenty eight, Jesus invites those who are weary and, and heavy laden, heavy burdened, to, to come to him and find rest. He says, my yoke is easy, my burden is light, I want to give you rest for your soul. Uh, I, I found a new book this week by Vance Pittman called Unburdened. Here's the title, Unburdened. Stop living for Jesus so Jesus can live through you. And the whole premise of the book is it. So we try to put all this effort into doing what only Jesus can do through us. And uh, I might bring that with me next week. I'll finish it up this week. But it's been uh, encouraging. And so not only do we need resolve when we're tired, but we need resolve when we're threatened. So in verse 11, uh, and our enemies, there were enemies. Here's what they were saying. They will not know or see till we come among them and kill them and stop the work. And so the Jews were living along the, the borders. Uh, verse 12 says that they kept coming and saying, you've got to return to us. Ten times uh, the neighboring Jews would come and say, listen, you, they're going to try to kill you guys. You've got to come back home. You, you've got to get away from Jerusalem. It's, it's dangerous there. And, and again, we looked at the enemies last week in verse 7, and we said that there were enemies, uh, uh, the Arabs, the Ammonites, the Ashdodites, uh, 
all around, north, east, south, west. There were enemies all around Jerusalem. They were making these threats. And uh, so we find the Jews are discouraged. They're tired. They've been threatened. And so what's Nehemiah to do? Well, some, uh, I mean, he could have went back home and been the cupbearer. And, and sometimes that's what we're tempted to do. I, I tried, Lord. I gave it my best shot. It just, and we go back to easy street. But that's not what Nehemiah does, is it? Verse 13, he says, So in the lowest parts of the space behind the wall, in the open places, I stationed the people by their clans with their swords, their spears, and their bows. And so he found the weakest areas in the walls, and he staged the people there. And so he's going to make some change in, in course, but he's resolved to the task. I, I was thinking about uh, last January, uh, some of us had the privilege of going to India. And we went to this tribal people who lived out in the bush. And, and man, it was just, it was an awesome, we spent the day with these people. They, they cooked for us. We were able to share the gospel with them. They were receptive. In that area, the government had began to build some houses. And when, when I say houses, I, I'm not talking about houses. I'm talking about one room. They were nice. And they were building them while we were there. And so this year when the team went back, they uh, the government official showed up and they told the people, if any of you convert to Christianity, you've got to move out of the housing. And so I got a, I got a, a message this week from Pastor John and he just said, uh, you know, we're not giving up on them. And uh, he wants to bring a team next January. And he said, we're going to go back and we're going to be praying that, that uh, God will make them receptive. Listen, church, we, we've got a mission from God. It's called the Great Commission. And he's given it to us. We're to go and we're to take the gospel to our community and to the ends of the earth. We're, we're to go with the good news of Jesus. And sometimes we get tired and discouraged. And sometimes we want to give up. And, and we just need to be mindful that Jesus, he, he didn't throw in the towel for us, did he? I mean, he came with a purpose. He came to seek and to save the lost. And while he was on earth, he faced all kinds of persecution and ridicule. He was scourged. He was crucified on the cross. And yet he had the resolve to accomplish his mission. He took my sins, paid the price. And on the cross, he was able to say, it is finished. And so that was the resolve that Jesus had for me and, and for you. And, and, uh, and so I want to ask you this morning, how is your resolve? to accomplish the task that Jesus has given to us. And how, as a church, how, how is our resolve as a, as a church? So not only do we need resolve, secondly, we need to remember in the midst of the turmoil and all the threats that was around them, they needed to remember how God had already been working for them. And so Nehemiah would say, listen, remember what God's already done. He, he has turned the heart of King Artaxerxes, and he's allowed me to come, and he gave me letters of, of safe travel, and he's given us supplies for the gates, and he's, he sent officers and the cavalry with me. He's, he's already done all these things. He's already helped us get half the walls rebuilt, and, and so he reminds them of that. Verse 14, I, I looked and arose and said to the nobles and to the officials, to, and and so it sounds like he calls another assembly of the people and, and he rallies the people together and he says, listen, I, I got to tell you some things. Do not, do not be afraid of them. Do not. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome. I got to thinking this week, I, I bet he had a sign. Maybe not like this, but 
But uh, remember the Lord who is great and awesome. And I bet he walked around the, the walls and said, Danny, remember the Lord who's great and awesome. And Jenny, remember the Lord who's great and awesome. And look what he's already, already done for us. Listen, we're working for him. <coughs> Some of you this morning, you, you need to be reminded uh, who you're working for. And he's great and awesome. If he's called you to the task, he, he'll see you through. You can be sure of that. And so when is it that we need to stop and, and be reminded of God's faithfulness? Well, for one, when we're fearful. And so he says, do not be afraid of them. I know they've threatened you. Don't be afraid of them. That's an exhortation and a command at the same time. Do not be afraid of them. It's similar to, to God's instructions to Joshua in Joshua 1.9. Have I not commanded you be strong and courageous, do not be frightened, and do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. They, they were about to cross the Jordan into the promised land. And God said, listen, don't be dismayed, don't be afraid. I'm going to go with you every step of the way. And church, we can hear that today. <coughs> Last week, Psalm 56.3, when I'm afraid, I'll trust in you. I'll be afraid. And so in regards to witnessing, listen. When it comes to talking to Jesus, there's an enemy, and he wants us to be fearful, and he wants us to worry about what everybody's going to think. And so he says, listen, if you talk to them about Jesus, they're going to call you a Jesus freak or a weirdo. And he'll... So? That's okay, isn't it? If someone died on the cross for you, I, I don't care if they call me a Jesus freak. So listen, church, be, be bold and courageous. Don't be afraid. The Spirit is with you. If you're saved, the Spirit's in you, and He empowers you and emboldens you and even gives you what you need to speak. Here's what Jesus said to the disciples, Luke 12, 11 and 12. And when they bring you before the synagogues and the rulers and the authorities, do not be anxious about how you should defend yourselves and what you should say, for the Holy Spirit will teach you in that very hour what you ought to say. And so when you're fearful, church, remember the promises of God. And remember the resource of the Spirit that's within you. Not only when you're fearful, but also when you're faint-hearted. When threats and, and opposition come against us, it's easy to become faint-hearted and, and want to go home and want to quit, want to throw in the towel, want to give up. I, I've been there. Uh, the friends and their families, so they sent these messages in verse 12. Uh, at that time, the Jews who lived near them came from all directions, and they said to us ten times, you must, you got to come back home. Listen, when it comes to, to following God, our, our friends and families, they often have our best interest in mind, but their interest and our interest aren't always aligned with what God is leading us to do. And so I've seen Christian parents try to talk their children out of going into missions. Yeah. You say, what do, what do you mean? Listen, would you try to talk your child out of playing professional sports if they were good enough? Would you? Shake your head like this. No. You wouldn't do that. You'd say, no way. That'd be awesome. What if they had to move away from home? No, that's okay. Or what if it was some prestigious job or some high-paying job? Go for it, we'd say. But if the King of Kings and Lord of Lords calls your child to leave their comfort zone and go somewhere, an unreached place, to take the gospel, we'd say, oh, wait just a minute. That's dangerous. You, you might get sick. You might die. And yeah, you might. You might. But it'd be worth it if you're following the Lord. 
Listen, God is still calling men and women, young and old, to, to go to the nations and take the gospel. And listen, when we remember his sacrifice for his sins, we, for our sins, we just say, Lord, wherever you lead, I'll go. Can, can we just get there? E- even if it might be a risk, isn't it worth it? If God calls, well, this is where you show us to say, yes, it'd be worth it. Yes. Hey, listen, as I've been going through Nehemiah, I've just, I've just noticed deficiencies in my leadership and times where, where I've been faint-hearted and uh, maybe not led or taught or, or, or hesitated to make decisions. And there's certain times where I've not preached something because I was fearful. Listen, we all have this problem of wanting to please people. Or I do. I have that problem sometimes. And I, I just pray, Lord, help me not to shrink back from proclaiming your word. Listen, the power's in the Word, to which you all say, I mean, I mean, the book of Acts, it shows us that, about the, the power. These are just ordinary men, uh, these apostles, and what we see in the book of Acts is, is men of God filled with the Spirit of God. What happens when they go out there and they proclaim the Word of God with boldness? I mean, the power's in the Word. It's, it, they, weren't, uh, they weren't speakers they, they weren't eloquent in any of that kind of stuff. They just were filled with the Spirit, and they proclaimed the Word. Here's, here's what happened when it happened, Acts 6-7. And the Word of God continued to increase, and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly. <clears throat> it's just the Word of God. That's the power of the Word. Acts 12-24. But the Word of God increased and multiplied. Acts 19-20. So the Word of the Lord continued to increase and prevail mightily. And so I'd say, church, we need, to, we need to stop being faint-hearted and trust the Word. And remember how God has blessed and, and honored His Word in the past. And, and not just say we, we believe the Word, but be open to getting in the Word, studying the Word, and, and then believing what it says so much that we go out and proclaim God's Word and trust it to accomplish its purposes. Isaiah 55, 11, so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It's, it's going to go out. It shall not return to me empty or void, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. And so God's saying, listen, my word, when it goes out, when you proclaim my word, it's going to accomplish its purposes. And so let me, let me ask, us, ask you individually, what, what fears are you battling with right now? Or are there any areas where you've just already you've already thrown in the towel or you've already quit on it? Let me just take a moment and remind you again of God's faithfulness towards you. Romans 5 8 says that while we're yet sinners. Now we know God hates sin. Everybody know that? He's holy, hates sin. While we're yet sinners, Christ died for us. It wasn't after we got everything, whatever we do. While we were sinners, Christ died for us. And so regardless of how bad your life might have been, listen, Jesus loved you enough to come and to suffer and die on the cross to pay for your sins. And listen, this morning, the good news is if you'll turn from your sins and you'll believe upon Jesus and you'll trust His sacrifice on the cross, He'll forgive you of your sins and He'll save you. That's the gospel good news. And and so, church, what areas have we been faint-hearted in? And, and let's be reminded of all the years and all the times and all the circumstances where God has 
just been so faithful and provided every step of the way. And let's trust Him. I, I hear testimonies all the time, from, uh, especially from our senior saints, about God's faithfulness in times past. He's been faithful, and He's the same God. And He'll be faithful in the future as we follow Him. Amen? He, he's still faithful and true and invites us. Uh, and then I think about it as a country. I mean, sometimes it seems like we've forgotten about God's hand upon us uh, as a nation. And it, we'll go all the way back to our foundation. We've forgotten about God's good favor towards us. And that's sad to forget about that. And listen, He's not obligated to, uh, to, to bless us and to bless our pride and our self-reliance and our immorality. He, he's not under any type of obligation to bless America. And so what we need to do is repent, turn back to Him. We, we need to pray for a revival in this land. We see what's going on. We see the direction that we're headed. We, we need to turn back to God. Remember His past faithfulness. And so this morning, a need for resolve, a need to remember, and then finally a need to resume. I was thinking back to 9-11 after the terrorist attacks, and there was a time where we lived in fear and you remember when President Bush said, listen, we, the enemy wants us to, to stop living, live in fear, and we've got to get back to, to living life before the tax. And, and soon the planes started flying again, and people got back, and we, we, we're not to live in fear, we're to resume. So verse 15, I, I like this verse, when our enemies heard that it was known to us. When, when the enemies realized that we, we knew what their plans was and that God had frustrated their plans, then we returned to the wall, each to his work. Don't you like it when God frustrates the plans of your enemies? I do. Yeah. When he starts fighting against them, yeah. And so God is going to complete his work, and he calls us to follow him in faith. And, and so let's notice uh, the work was resumed when, with a new strategy. Here it is from verse 16, from that day on, half of my servants worked on construction and half held the spears, the shields, the bows, coats of mail. The coats of mail is just armor that protects you in, in war. And the leaders stood behind the, the whole house of Judah who were building on the wall. Those who carried burdens were loaded in such a way that each labored on the work with one hand and held his weapon with the other, and each of the builders with his sword strapped to his side. And so it, this, this was different. They, they now had to be prepared to fight if the enemy came. And, and this work wasn't as efficient as it used to be because they're going to lose half their manpower because now half the people are going to be fighters. And here's the realization. Sometimes circumstances change and we have to have a new strategy. But the important thing is that we keep with the tasks that God has set before us. And so I can say this, that things have changed a lot in the church in my lifetime. And some of you have been around a lot longer than I have. And you've seen even more change. Now, yesterday we, we celebrated James Gale's life. And, and he was the Sunday school superintendent back in the, the Sunday school pen days. And, and we just I remember that. I, I remember I wouldn't, miss, I wouldn't miss Sunday school for nothing. Uh, I wanted my pen. But things are different. People miss a lot more. It used to be the strategy for church growth used to be just open the doors. Because people were going to come. That's not happening anymore, is it? If we want to reach people, we have to be intentional today. And so times have changed. And, and when I was young, I didn't have to defend my faith with my friends. Most of my friends were Christians, and if they weren't, they, they, weren't, they weren't antagonistic to my faith. But now we have students who are going to schools and colleges, and they have teachers and professors who are regularly questioning their faith and, and ridiculing their religious convictions. 
We live in a culture that says anything goes. Anything goes in, re, in regards to the sexual revolution. Anything goes in regards to gender and, and uh, uh, sexuality and relationships and, and, and morality. It's a different world. And so we, we would say the message doesn't change because God's message is, is unchanging. It's perfect. We, we don't change the message, but our methodologies have to change, if we, if, especially if we want to reach the younger generation. Uh, this week, I, I saw this statistic from 2000 to 2018. Southern Baptists have seen a decline of 38% in baptisms in the 12 to 17 age. Now, we've seen decline in baptisms across the, all ages. But 38% in the ages of 12 to, to 17. Steve Lutz uh, has a book, Collegiate Ministry in a Post-Christian Culture. Listen to this. Only 15% of the current college-age generation identifies themselves as Christian. Isn't that sad? 15%. There's over 70 million college-age in America that are lost. And America has a... Our mission field is bigger than it's ever been before, just, just at home. And so I, I wanna, when I thought about that, I, I, just, I thought I need to thank you, church, for investing in children and young people. Uh, there's a battle for their souls. And so we, we, just, we celebrate every time a, a young person trusts in Jesus. Last week when Abigail got saved, we, we celebrate that. And, and Brady, maybe next week, I mean, we celebrate every time a child puts their faith and trust in Jesus. And then we've got to be committed to discipling them and raising them up so they can go out there in their generation and make Christ known. We've got to be all about that. We we need more to come alongside Beth and Jeff as they lead our children and student ministries. And, and we'll soon be looking for, for somebody to help us better engage with young adults. Listen, it's never been more urgent. Our strategy has to change some. We, we don't just open up the door and they come. We've got to go and, and labor. And one, now, one strategy <coughs> that doesn't change is prayer. I mean, we, we, we're to pray. We're to pray for the lost. Jesus looked out there and said, the, the harvest is, is ripe. Pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers. And so we pray for the lost, and we pray for laborers, and we pray for opportunities to share the God. Yes, we, we pray. Not only must we resume with a new strategy, but also with some additional safeguards. And so at the end of verse 18, the guy with the trumpet was beside Nehemiah, and he said to the people, the work is great and widely spread out. We're separated on the wall from one another. In the place where you hear the sound of the trumpet, rally to us there. Our God will fight for us. And so uh, we know after the years after 9-11, the safeguards were put in place, and you have to wait in security. We understand all that. Same thing for Nehemiah's day. They, they had a guy with a trumpet, and when the enemy came, they would sound the trumpet, and, and the people were to rally there to, uh, to defend the, the, the place. Don't miss these last few verses, though. Not only did they resume the work, but they accelerated the pace. Uh, verse 21, So we labored at the work, and half of them held the spears from the break of dawn until the stars came out. From sunrise to sunset, we got work to do, and they, they got with it. And, and, uh, and in verse 22, I also said to the people at the time, Let every man and his servant pass the night within Jerusalem. 
that they may be a guard for us by night and may labor by day. And so bring your tent because you're not going home. You're going to stay here. You're going to work during the day. You're going to spend the night here, be a defense at night. And notice Nehemiah's right there with them. Uh, verse 23, Neither I nor my brothers nor my servants nor the men of the guard who follow me. None of us took off our clothes. Each kept his... I mean, we had to be ready all the time. They kept their clothes on. They kept their weapon in place. And, and listen, good leaders lead by example. And uh, Nehemiah is convinced that God had called him to this task and uh, he was convinced that God was going to complete it. And, um, and so what we've seen is that Nehemiah and the people, they had a heart to work. And uh, they were going to do their part. They were going to work. They were going to rebuild this wall. They were going to pray. They were going to trust God. And, and they, they were just going to see it through. And as a matter of fact, uh, Nehemiah sets up guards and carried their swords. And, but his confidence, look at the end of verse 20, his confidence is not in their spears and their swords and all that. Our God will fight for us. We've got to do our part, Nehemiah said, and we, gotta, we need to have our armor. We've got to be ready. We've got to do our due diligence. But at the end of the day, our God will fight for us. And church, here's what I'm convinced of today. God calls us to a task. And He's called us to the Great Commission. To go and make disciples, to go tell people about Jesus and some other things, to care for orphans and widows, to care for the needs of the poor and the, uh, the help. I mean, there's lots of things that God has called us to do, and, and uh, He'll fight for us. And that doesn't mean we won't face some opposition and some persecution and some difficult times. We will. 2 Timothy 3, 12. Everyone who desires to live godly will, will face persecution. And so expect some opposition. But know that God will be faithful. And Martin Luther is quoted as saying, Work as if it all depends on you, and pray as if it all depends on God. We do our part. Pray as if it all depends on God, and we know that He'll be faithful. The question for us is, will we be faithful to His work, even when the going gets tough? Let's praise. Father, thank you for your word and for what we're learning from Nehemiah and, and his faith in you. And uh, Lord, it's encouraging to me to, to know that they were able to accomplish this task. And there were enemies that came against them, and yet uh, they looked to you every step of the way. They, they knew that you would fight for them. And, and Lord, I pray that as a church, as we think about the task that you've given us to to go out there and to reach people with the gospel. We, we know that you will be ever faithful to us. And we know it's going to get harder. Uh, we know that uh, culture is more and more against the, the claims of your word. And we know that, but we know you're faithful. And so we pray this morning that you'll, you'll accomplish your purposes for each of us. Some of us need to have some resolve to to fulfill the ministry you've given us. Some of us have a certain calling that we've been wrestling against and, and we've not trusted you with it. We, we pray this morning that you, Lord, we invite you this morning to call someone out, maybe a couple that you want to go to the mission field this morning. Lord, you still call people from your church to go to the nations. And so we invite you to do that. Lord, if there's someone here that's never trusted in you, we pray that They've been reminded of how much you love them. Enough that you go to a cross and, and die. Suffer for our sins. 
And so I, I pray that someone might say, I, I need Jesus today. I, I need His forgiveness, and I want to live my life for Him. We invite you, Father, Spirit, to save someone this morning and maybe add some to our body. Uh, maybe, maybe call some to, to deal with their fears and to trust you. You bless this time, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Stand if you would. And so this is an invitation. We, we proclaim God's word and it goes out and it accomplishes his purposes. And, and uh, if we can help you with that in some way, if, if you'd like to know more about being saved, I'd love to talk to you about that. Or if you'd like to join the church or if you want to observe the Lord's Supper this morning, we invite you to respond.